The Book of the Nazarene and the Book of John the Enlightened of Elohim were included together in a text known as the Gospel of the Kaleidi, meaning wise strangers. The origins of this work are debated, as no original manuscripts have ever been found. However, it is commonly believed that the books were preserved and passed down by Celtic believers in the 1500s after previously being saved from arson, possibly either the burning of the Library of Alexandra or the Glastonbury Abbey fire in 1184. It has been tucked away alongside a secular work known as the Colburn. However, they don't remotely share any similarities. Whether this is a complete and divinely inspired text can certainly be debated. Nevertheless, we do believe that it contains the words from our Messiah that were not captured in the canonical gospel accounts. As stated by the Apostle John, if everything the Messiah did were recorded, all of the books in the world could not contain them. In this volume, you will find astonishing parables, new and old, that will challenge your walk. Join us as we test this book, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide us unto what is true. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard Stream. My name is Adam and I welcome you. This is part 18 of our Book of the Nazarene study, uh, which is going to be covering chapter 14, probably about half of it or so. We'll see how far we get, but really excited to get back into this. I apologize. I've been gone for a few weeks. I'll talk about that at the end of uh, the stream here, what's been going on, but uh, really excited. I, I just, I'm so excited every time I jump into this book. This has been probably one of the most useful books that I have tested outside of the canon. When I say useful, um, there's certainly more exciting books. Uh, when I say exciting, because people get excited about like prophecy. So books like Enoch and Second Esdras are uh, probably some of the most exciting books. But this, this alongside, I would say the book of Sirach or Ecclesiasticus, which was in the Apocrypha, are some of the most useful books. When I say useful, like useful to our walk, how to apply the teachings of our Messiah to our life, because regardless of how much time we spend in prophecy or calendars or also all sorts of things, if we're not ready at the return of Messiah, man, we I think we've we've misused our time. So books like this really at least help me and I've heard from others apply the teachings of our Messiah to our life and to actually walk them out. So excited to get back in, uh, in this with you and uh, let's pray real quick and we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Most High, Yahuwah Sebaot, we come before you and we just thank you so much for sending your son, Yahushua HaMashiach, for the forgiveness of sins, to be our high priest, to be our king, our perfect example. And Father, we thank you for this book that helps us to uh, see exactly what it looks like to walk as he walked, Father, and we certainly want to do that. We want to be ready at the return of Messiah Yahushua. And Father, we just ask that you would give us of your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, to understand the words of this book and others, that we may be faithful hearers and doers and ready at his return. And Father, we just bless you so much and thank you for this time that we get to study together. In Yahushua's mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's do a little road shofar. Get your shofars ready and we'll get into chapter 14.
road so road so far everything uh everything was uh, safe eyes were on the road road so far all right let's get into chapter 14 Yahusha and the twelve left the shores of the western sea, and after preaching in many places, came to the Sea of Galilee, where Yahusha and seven of the apostles took ship with Nathanael's brother and passed over into Dalmantha. About this time, Herod Antipas heard about the activities of Yahusha, whose fame had spread, for he was unlike other teachers. A rumor had started that he was Yochanan of the wilderness raised to life, and this explained his powers, for only in one able to come back from the dead could such an abundance of power manifest. That's at least what the, the Jews believed at that time, and I'll explain why in a second. Most thought he was one of the old prophets returned, but were unable to explain his powers. Though these things brought fear to Herod's heart, he took no action. So I want to just share a couple of things. We know that Messiah spoke with just utmost authority that was unchallenged. And this is Matthew 7, 28 through 29. And it came to pass when Yahushua had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They were just like, whoa. Why? For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. And I got to tell you, I understand this. I didn't grow up in church like a lot of you listening today did. I grew up in, in Judaism. And, you know, in Judaism, it, it reminds me of, I've also been in Catholic Catholic church before, Catholic mass. It, Judaism and Catholic mass are very, very similar, very structured, very ordered, very repetitive. You say the same things almost every single week. And it's just like, almost just like monotonous and da 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 and i can understand why he why he was popular why messiah was popular why people were listening and why uh, for a lot of people the, his teachings um responded to the yearnings of their hearts as opposed to what the the religious norm was of the day i know that i was not very wowed as a child in Judaism because it's just like you do the same thing over and over again and just the same thing and it's like okay and I know Catholicism is that way um, and I didn't go to a lot of Protestant um, churches I know some can get very exciting and dancing and all sorts of things but um, the doctrine you know at least a lot of the sermons that I've listened to it's you know, a couple handful of verses and then like a lot of pep talk. And I don't know. So all I'm saying is that uh, I, I can see the dynamic of something new coming on the scene that it's just like, whoa, this is this is this is what I'm talking about. This is what this is what my heart yearns for. And for me, that's been listening to Messiah and his words and actually reading the scriptures for myself and seeing what he actually taught. You're like, wow, like this, this. Yahusha brought revolution, a real one. John seven forty three through 47. So there was a division among the people because of him, and some of them would have him take would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers said, Never man spake like this before. And that's what converted me. That's what really started my real conversion is when I actually picked up my Bible and I read what he said and I read it over and over because I didn't want to hear anything else. I didn't want to hear anyone else. I wanted to hear what this, I say this man, but our, what our Elohim, our Messiah, what he spoke. Like, I want more of that. Matthew ten twenty, 
And so I, I want to say that in these last days, I believe that um, he's giving his people this same spirit that allows people to speak truth. Um, there's lots of good ministries. There's lots of deceivers out there, I'll tell you. But there's lots of good ministries out there that are speaking his truth and are bringing people back to the way. And here says Matthew 10, 24, it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father, which speaks in you, which is the same thing that uh, was done through our Messiah. He says, you know, my doctrine's not my own, but uh, from heaven. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, whether it's this Elijah spirit that's that's coming back on the scene, that's reproving um, and, and bringing people back to the way it's it's doing something, you know, so praise you for the spirit he's been giving um, going back to where it says here uh, a rumor started that he was yoking on in the wilderness raised to life and this explained his powers for only in one able to come back from the dead could such an abundance of power manifest this is what they believed and and the reason they believe this is because well i would assume starting in babylon they they brought back some pretty bad teachings i would imagine and um uh which started to form like Kabbalah and you know actually it could have been way before this because you know when when Israel went astray and, and Judah went astray and they were taken over they were mixing in their worship with the nation so this stuff could have started way back way back then um, but it's even in their it's even in Jew, Jewish doctrine today um, give you an example uh, this is from the Talmud, and I'm not reading the Talmud because I believe in. I'm reading the Talmud to uh, expose the this this doctrine that they have. This is this is the Talmud. This is what Jews. Um, this is their main source of religion of of theology is from this book. You the, they you think the Torah, but it's not. And it says here, Onkelos then went and raised Balaam from the grave through necromancy, right? And said to him. Anyways, it just keeps going. So th they had necromancy. They have necromancy built into their doctrine. This is through uh, uh, horrible doctrines like Kabbalah and and uh, through books like the Zohar. And uh, anyways, I uh, just wanted to kind of just share that that uh, that was going on thousands of years ago, and it's still mixed in with Jewish theology. And that's why I say, hey, we're not here to become Jews. We're here to be followers of Messiah. And a big part of Messiah's doctrine was rebuking the the modern-day uh, religion of the time, which was still mixed with garbage. All right, going back to the book of Nazarene, chapter 14, verse 3. Others said, This same is Yahusha, who was born Yeshua, son of Yosef and Miriam, claiming to be a prophet, dedicating people to serve the cause of Elohim, that a kingdom under his rule may come to earth. May it come speedily. Your kingdom come, your will be done, please. When the boat carrying Yahusha and the seven with him came to the shore, it was drawn up near to some women who were washing. And one shouted, Glory to Yahuwah, and blessed be the one who through whom he manifests. Yahusha said, Glory is not yours to give, neither does the king of glory need it. Therefore, your words are empty of meaning. Give service instead. So he's not saying don't give glory, right? Because... I mean, that's just part of it. In, in uh, many other instances, he says to give Yah glory. So what's the deal here? Uh, and I'll, I'm here to say it's it's empty praise. They're giving him a lot of lip service, but not a lot of action, which is what he wants. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying this people draws close to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. 
So they're like, oh, we love you. We praise you. But their heart was like far from him. And they he, he even acknowledged they worship, right? They worship, but they worship through doctrines and commandments of men, which is not what he wants. Exodus 25 through 6, you shall not bow down yourself to them, no serve them. For I, Yahweh your Elohim, am a jealous El, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. So commandment breakers are equated to people that hate him and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Right? This people draws close to me with their mouth, honors me with their lips. They sing to me. They praise me. But their heart is far from me because they don't keep his commandments. Pretty simple. Matthew 5, 14 through 15. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and gives light unto all that are in the house. Oops, I forgot one more verse. 16. The whole point of that. <laughs> Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is what glorifies him. Now, of course, does he does he want our, our relationship with him and our prayer time with him? Yes, of course. Does he not want us to sing praises to him? That's a big part of life. But it's empty without the works. Just like James says, well, I think we'll read this passage in a bit. Actually, yeah, we'll read it in a bit in James 2, where it says, uh, faith without works is dead. And so even praise without works, by deduction, by, by reasoning with what we're reading here, praise without works is dead. It reminds me of a lot of what's going on right now. Um, I, I, I kind of pay attention to what's going on in this movement i don't know whatever this movement of yeah and i feel like so many people get sidetracked and sidelined and deviated from the real mission at hand with doctrines i'd mention it all the time and and the reason i keep mentioning it is because the problem just keeps getting worse and worse it's like it's like most of not most i'd say a large portion of emails and comments and messages i get are always about the calendar 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 like Listen, is the calendar important? Yes. But let's be honest. Messiah came to fix what was wrong and to show us what really mattered. And I got to ask you, how many passages of calendar did he talk about? How often did he talk about loving your neighbor, caring about them, the taking care of the poor and the widow, the orphan, spreading the good news of the gospel of the kingdom? These are the things we should be occupying our time with. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just sharing what I see going on in the community and sharing my heart. He wants action. Sirach 35, 1 through 11. Just in case you're new, the book of Sirach is also known as Ecclesiasticus. This was included in the Apocrypha of the King James Bible. Uh, this was included in the canon of the Septuagint, which is a major canon. I believe this is sort of straight up scripture. Anyways, it's chapter 35 says, He who keeps the law makes many offerings. He who heeds the commandments sacrifices a peace offering. So it's like, it's like, this is what really matters. Keep my ways. He's not interested in, in sacrifices of bulls and all. He wants our obedience to him. He who returns a kindness offers fine flowers. So it's, it's, it's showing you this is what really matters. 
kindness, kindness towards people. This is what he wants. He's not really wanting the these these fine these the flower grain offerings. Not saying that's not important because that's obviously it was it was in the Torah. But this is what he really wants. And he who gives alms sacrifices a thanks offering. So he really wants to, the keeping of the commandments. He wants to have you know people that has kindness, people who give alms. To keep from wickedness is pleasing to Yahuwah, and to forsake unrighteousness is atonement. Do not appear before Yahuwah empty-handed, for all these things are to be done because of the commandment. The offering of a righteous man anoints the altar, and its pleasing odor rises before the Most High. The sacrifice of a righteous man is acceptable, and the memory of it will not be forgotten. Glorify Yahweh generously, and do not stint the first fruits of your hands. With every gift, show a cheerful face, and dedicate your tithe with gladness. Give to the Most High as He has given, and as generously as your hand has found. For Yahuwah is the one who repays, and He will repay you sevenfold. I want to go to the book of Nazarene, chapter 12, verse 18. Not stream 12, 18, the Torah of Yahuwah as given in the books of wisdom is unlike the laws of men. A man is responsible not only for what he does, but for what he fails to do. And though he spends his whole life in prayer and at places of righteousness, but overlooks his obligations under the greater Torah, he is not free of transgression. This is another uh, This is another problem I see in the movement is people just fleeing responsibilities and just thinking that, you know, it's just about this, spending your whole life in prayer and at places of righteousness. We have responsibilities, especially you men. You know, Paul says that he who does not provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. He wants us to be doers, to be workers. He wants us to be productive. What kind of example are we when we don't, you know, are just lazing around? Sure, we could be, you know, praying all day and praising all day but if we're if we're just leaving our responsibilities who are we who, who's gonna, who in the outside world is gonna be like yeah that's what it's about wants us to be doers this is a james 2 14 through 17 what does it profit my brethren though a man say he has faith and have not works can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and be destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful for the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it have not, has not works, is dead, being alone. So I would say also in what we're learning uh, through this study so far, is that even praise and prayer and without the deeds, without the action, right? It says right here, glory is not yours to give, neither does the king of glory need it. Therefore, your words are empty of meaning. Give service instead. Or maybe even better, give service and praise. I think is what he really wants. Nazarene chapter 14, verse 6. Another woman cried out, blessed are the breasts that suckled you. Yehusha answered, the blessed are those who hear the word of words of Yahweh's messengers and obey them. Now, I just want to point this out. When I was doing a study not too long ago, I read this. You know, it says Messiah was tested in every single way. So he was probably tested, you know, in in with um, with lust. There was probably women that were like throwing themselves at him. Now, I don't know if this necessarily says that, but there's a hint to it. Like, poof blessed other breasts that you know uh, maybe this is some sort of advance i don't know but it's interesting um 
And I, just a reminder that he was tested in every single way that we are. And we know that the, the lust of the flesh is a big one for, for especially for men. So just, uh, just something interesting as I was reading this. Verse 8, Passing along the beach, Yahusha and three disciples came to where a group of people stood. And they were of those who walked in the light of the Torah, but they were self-deceivers who trimmed the lamp to suit their convenience. So it's like, yeah, they walked in the, the Torah, but they twisted it to suit their convenience. One said, if you are really sent from Elohim, show us some sign as proof. Then we can believe what you say. Yahushua said, why are you always demanding proof? Certainly, this generation is undeserving of proof. If you are invited to dine with a man, do you ask him to prove his food is good? If you were genuine, my words would strike a responsive chord in your heart. Oh, yes. And you would know. If I drew aside the curtains to reveal the glory that is heaven and you believed, would your belief bear the fruit of goodness? It would be like unseasoned timber or untempered iron. And this brings up a really cool point for, I believe, our generation and the times that we're living in now, uh, which the scripture says that I, I uh, that we're, we're extra, extra blessed. Extra blessed. Let's go to John 20, 29. Yahushua said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Check this out. Second Esdras 1, 35-36. Just in case, you're, again, you're new, Second Esdras was also included in the Apocrypha uh, of the 1611 KJV. It says, I will give your houses to a people that will come who without having heard me will believe those to whom I have shown no signs will do what I have commanded they have seen no prophets yet will recall their former state aka uh, repentance and you know and, and it's like in an in a interesting parallel way we see in the end times when time is up and Messiah is revealed, we see in the book of Enoch, we see the kings of the earth and the mighty are like prostrate before him and like, oh, we were wrong. We'll serve you. And it's too late. You believe now only because you've seen. And that's the core of our belief is faith. And that's the roots of our faith, faith uh, of, our, of, our, of our walk. Faith is the roots of and obedience is the fruit. And so I would say, I think we are extremely blessed to be able to, to, to walk in the walk that we do right now, considering all the distractions of the world. If we were to believe man's words, man's words completely contradict the scriptures. And that's why most of the people of the world are astray because they're believing uh, what they teach us about the, the cosmology, about um, Big Bang and evolution and all these things. And then, of course, you have all the manipulation and lies of the enemy. Basically, uh, everything, almost everything in this world is set to deter us from the scriptures and obedience to the Most High. Everything down, everything from like how commercials just... Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you've uh, seen commercials. I haven't seen them in a while, but I mean, almost every commercial is like forbidden foods, seafood, pork. And it's like the manipulation of of the, the family unit. I mean, it just everything. 
Everything is getting man and woman away from the ways of the Most High. And so that's why I say, blessed are we who are living in this day who we haven't seen him. Um, we've seen no major prophets. Now, um, is it, you know, can the Most High speak through people, through dreams and whatnot? Sure. In that case, and in, in, in that regard, maybe there are some prophets here, but we don't have Isaiah's and Jeremiah's right now that, you know, are just, at least just, you know, to my understanding, we don't. But the point is, is like, I think we're just extra blessed. I think we're extra blessed to live in this time and to have the faith that we have and to see, uh, to see this walk of obedience that he's set forth for his people forever. And, and to walk like Messiah walked. I think we're just amazingly blessed. And uh, though the times we live in are extremely hard, um, the bondage, just it's very similar to how the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt in, in a different way. They are physically in bondage. Um, and, you know, and, and I'd say that people are physically in bondage today too through, um, you know, the nine to five types of jobs and stuff that we have. Um, the, the perpetual debt that a lot of us live in um, but really, mentally and spiritually, this is a massive battle. Um, so, anyways, I, I think I've made that point well enough so we can move on. So, book, book of Nazarene, chapter 14, verse 10. A crowd started to gather, and Yahushua returned to the boat. And as people began to jostle him, he ordered it to be taken out a little way. As he was getting into it, a scribe pushed forward, saying, Let me join you, and I will follow you wherever you go. Yahushua said, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the servant of man has nowhere to lay his head. Not even a board is offered to him here. If you are sincere in your offer, let this be the place of your labors, for you are not a hardy man. Another man with him said, Then let me come, but may I first have time to bury my father? Yahushua answered, What service can the living render the dead? Leave the dead to their own kind. He Messiah was about business. He's like, listen, we don't have time for this. We got to go. We got things to do. We got people to, to share the good news to. The boat was taken to another place. Then it was discovered that as no bread had been obtained previously, there was insufficient to provide a good meal for everyone. While they were arguing about how it should be distributed, Yahushua said, Let those who get some take care. Their peace does not contain the leaven of the Pharisees or of Herod. Yahushua, seeing they looked blankly at him, said, Do you not understand? When wholesome, even a morsel of bread will nourish, but if it contains bad leaven to turn it sour, it will be bitter in the mouth and nourish no one. Eleven out of twelve among the Pharisees are good, but it is the bad who contaminate the whole and leave a bitter taste in the mouth. And this is, you know, this also relates to um, this movement. I think there's a lot of a lot of excellent people, a lot of excellent, uh, I'd say, teachers or, or sharers of the good news. But it only takes one or two, of course, to sour this movement in the, the mouths of everyone. Hmm. I'd say don't be the one. Don't be that one. Verse 16, when the boat drew into the shallows, some of those with Yahushua went to get food. And a crowd gathered about him. So Yahushua told a parable often repeated. A sower went into his cornfield carrying seed in his apron, and he scattered it about, so some fell in the open and was eaten by the birds. Other seed fell on stony ground and sprouted quickly, but as it could not put down roots, it quickly withered. 
Some fell among thistles, there where it was smothered before reaching maturity. Still others fell on good ground, and having ripened, produced a bountiful harvest. This parable is simple to understand, and I will explain it to you. I am the sower, and the seeds are my words. Some of you standing here in the open listen, but close your hearts to the message. With you, my words are like the seeds eaten by the birds. And of course, as we know in the Matthew 13 version, or I, I, I'd say often birds are related to the devils, the Satan's coming and swooping in. It's like they see that someone hears the good news and like, ah, 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 none of that, none of that. With others, my words are like the seeds falling on stony ground, for though they receive them, hopefully they are weak-willed and shallow-minded. Thus, when their belief is tested, they give way immediately. These are people that have uh, no foundation of faith. It's like their belief only rests on proof. And I will say, there's there are there are proofs in this world that that show that this, the, the scriptures are true. Um, we did a documentary on it uh, a couple years ago. We highlighted some of the Ron Wyatt discoveries and uh, discoveries other people made, like how Sodom and Gomorrah is still there. The Dead Sea is still there. Um, um, Mount Sinai, there's a mountaintop, the real Mount Sinai. It's like the, the top of the mountain is, is completely burnt to a crisp and is completely different coloring than the rest of the rocks around there. But if you scrape that you know, black chard, the, that same color is revealed underneath. All sorts of different things. Chariot wheels and, uh, and the Nile River um, and, the, and the Red Sea, excuse me, the Nile River, the Red Sea. Um, anyway, so there's physical proof. And maybe for some, that's what brought them in. It's very shallow. I don't know. But it's like faith is so vital to our our walk, our belief, everything that we are. And that's why he tests it. He's like, are you for real? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to approach him. It's impossible to really believe. I'll tell you because, you know, the, the, the lies of the devil are very convincing. Go... You know, talk to Adam and Eve. They were easily convinced. Talk to the Israelites of old. They saw these things. They saw all the wonders. You don't think you don't think Satan crept in the the, the wilderness, crept in some people and taught people, hey, no, let's worship this golden calf. They're like, they're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Why don't we do that? Faithless people. That's why we're saved by faith, through grace, not of ourselves. We're not saved through our works. But don't let anybody tell you our works are not important because our works show that our faith is real. Still others receive the words, but the message is like the seed sown among thistles. They hear and understand, but because of their daily cares or a craving for worldly things, the words of the message become overgrown and perish. This is like the, very similar to like when Satan tested Messiah. He's like, oh, you just serve me and you can have all these kingdoms of the world. Messiah's like, get out of here. Get out of here with that. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what people offer us, regardless of what's in our face, we know if we have faith, if we believe what we believe, there's a kingdom that contains things way better than anything we can attain on this earth. 
And that's what he rewards people that believe him, that believe in his promises, that trust in him. When things get hard, when things get tough, do we trust him? Do we? Lastly, there are those who hear the words of the message and welcome them. It is in these that the bountiful harvest is produced. Their hearts are open to the message, receive it, and it changes them from within, and they become doers of the work. And so what seed are you? John 15, 5 through 10. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is, of course, Messiah speaking. He's saying, I am the vine, you are the branches, the Nazarene. He that abides in me, who lives in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And this is so sad. Uh, there's just another growing trend again this year of people just denying Messiah. They're believing written words of man that write about how, you know, everything was faked and Rome did this and that. Faith, faithless people falling away. But with, without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. How sad. How sad. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein, or in this way, this is how my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Remember earlier we were reading, about how they were giving empty glory. Well, I don't have to go back there, but they were giving empty glory, empty praise to him. This is how you do it. Here is my Father. Here, in, or in this way, is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. So, just like he says in another passage, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. When we bear fruit... We are his disciples. That's how we prove we're his disciples. Not by just saying, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Nazaremo. When we bear fruit, that's how we're his disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Matthew 3.10. This is what happens this is a warning for non-fruit bearers. This is John the, 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 the dipper, John the immerser, the Baptist. And now also is the axe laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. What kind of fruit does he want? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the Torah of Yahuwah, and in his Torah does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So the person who delights in the law and meditates in the law and who does it, who is obedient is the person that is like a tree that brings forth fruit in his season. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahuwah knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the sinners or ungodly shall perish. 
Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, so we're supposed to worship him in spirit and truth. Psalm 119, 142 defines the truth as the Torah. So this is the truth part. Now the spirit part. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So anybody can love. Unbelievers can love. Unbelievers can have joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. It's when things get hard, can you do that? And with each other, can you have peace with each other? Are you able to love each other regardless of differences or backgrounds or whatever, ethnicities? Or Can you have joy even in the midst of trials? Can you have shalom or peace even in the midst of trials? Even when this whole world is collapsing and friends turn on you and backbite you or backstab you and can you be long-suffering with someone who is rude or whatever can you be gentle goodness faith meekness self can can you display self-control these are the fruits we're supposed to do, to produce obedience and our behavior our i want to say obedience can can be related to behavior the fruits of the spirit, I would say, character. What is your what is your character like? Because I see lots of people that are very wise in the scriptures and uh, very knowledgeable, but their character it's harsh. It's they have mocking characters. They uh, um, beat down, talk badly about others. Just rough characters, rough characteristics. And that's why he wants both, spirit and truth. Can't have one without the other. I see a lot of people with a lot of spirit and no truth. And I'm not sitting here on a soapbox like, I got it all figured out. I want it. I'm, I'm still working on these things too myself. This study is to encourage myself, my family, and anyone that wants to listen. I'm still working on it. I'm an imperfect human being. But I want to strive for perfection because that's what Messiah said to do. That's what our Heavenly Father said to do. Matthew 21, 19. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing on it, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on you henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. This is Messiah teaching us a parable about seeing one of his plants, because we just got done talking about the parable of the seed, and this plants grow up. And what happens to a plant that produces no fruit? You're gone. Get out. Now, he ha he has patience with us. It's not like you come in and like two weeks later you're not producing fruit. Get out. That's not what he's doing here. Uh, this gives this gives us some hope about you know giving us some time to get in shape here. Luke thirteen six through nine. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said to him, Master, let it, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. So fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well, or awesome. And if not, then after that you shall cut it down. So he gives us time. He's patient with us. But we've got to eventually bear some fruit or else... These parables will, will come to light. And I exhort you to make this your focus. Not like, And I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what to do and how to spend your time, but 
realistically, how much time are you spending on like conspiracy stuff and calendar stuff and uh, other things? And how much time are you spending in refining your obedience to him? What that looks like, refining the, your characteristics. And he defined, he just showed you what he wants with the, the fruits of the spirit. How much time are you, are you spending on that? Because are those the things that I really believe matter? I don't believe he's going to be like, well done, faithful servant. You know, you were unkind to people. You put down everyone else that didn't agree with you. Um, you were short-tempered. You were angry with people, other people that didn't agree with you. But guess what? You found the right calendar. Come on in, come on in buddy. Come on in. Actually, get to the front of the line. Get on, come on in here. Enter into the joy of your master. I don't believe that's what it's going to be like at all. I believe that displaying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control is a way higher tier of importance than these other matters. That's That's just how I understand it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong and I could suffer punishment for it. And yeah, please forgive me. But this is what I see in his scriptures. This is what I see in the heart of Messiah. I see a Messiah that wants us to care about our brothers and sisters and when when we see that they have faults and when we see that they're stumbling that we're there to help them be like hey man i see what's going on here let me help you out you know instead people just grind people to the ground and just want to just thrash people and I, i really believe that people have missed the whole point of all this and i don't know let me i'm just getting all preachy uh, let's go to Nazarim uh, 14.18. A man nearby in the crowd said, No doubt you are a worthy teacher, but we have the teachings of the prophets and the Torah of Moshe. Are these not good? Yehusha answered him, Certainly these are good, but what too many make of them is not good. This is what I'm talking about right here. There are many among you who know the teachings of the, of the great ones, but through but. Though words issue from your mouths, your hearts are evil. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I forgot this was coming up. Yet you cannot hide the underlying impurity. For whatever is stored in the heart colors that which issues from the mouth. Words from a pure heart are good, but words from a befouled one are evil. I tell you that not one reckless or inconsiderate word spoken which does not... I'm sorry. I tell you that not one reckless or inconsiderate word is spoken which does not enter into the accounting. Out of your own mouths will come the words assigning you to the place of glory or to the place of purification. And this is what Messiah did for us. Hebrews 9, 13-14 For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh... How much more shall the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to Elohim, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim? This is is about the heart, brothers and sisters. He wants a clean heart from within. We're going to read more about that here in just a minute. Now, those who had, uh, this is not stream 1420. Now, those who had gone to obtain food, having returned, Yahusha and those with him sat around and began to eat. One of the Pharisees who stood nearby expressed surprise that he let his disciples eat without first washing their hands, though there was plenty of water beside them. 
Yahusha said, this is typical of many today. You carefully clean your eating utensils and choose the best food, but these are external things and obvious. Inside you are filled with greed and deceit. Never mind outward appearances, but make sure you are clean all the way through. It's like people, uh, um, people tearing each other apart because of different words and pronunciations of words and um, saying words like blessed because uh, a certain uh, <laughs> a certain Bible uh, translator uh, says that these words are evil. Uh, it's just like missing the whole point. He wants our insides cleansed. That's what he's after. Psalm 24, 3 through 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the master? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. It's interesting that, you know, I believe that the, that the Jews of old had read passages like this and like, clean hands. Well, gosh, we've got we to wash our hands. We've got we to wash them and wash them and wash them. We can. It's like, you know, they have these these rituals that you can't eat food unless you wash your hands and you can't uh, pray unless you wash your hands and you can't do this unless you wash your hands and wash and wash and wash and wash and today society does the same thing wash your hands wash your hands wash your hands germs 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 it's interesting but it, it's all I find it also interesting here that the the contrast clean hands and a pure heart you know this is this is really what he wants and obviously we know the clean hands here is not a physical clean hands it's talking about the works of your hands the deeds that you do the deeds that you do and the heart the pure heart within and this is what the pharisees were missing he says on the surface they were doing a lot of the right things they were doing a lot of the check marks of the law but inside who they were they couldn't hide that from him and he saw inside who they were Matthew 23, 23-26 Woe well, unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. So there are things that are more important in the Torah. Weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. So he's not saying don't do these other lesser matters of the law. But he's like, you forgot about the most important things. And I believe in general, in this movement, people are forgetting the important parts of, of, of what we're doing. Judgment, mercy, faith. You know, helping the poor, the widows, the orphans, the, the lame, the sick, the sick, the blind, the deaf. Helping people see the good news. Baptizing. Uh, sharing the gospel. Like, like. Why can't they, that take the front seat there? Why is that in a back seat of just arguing about different things? And I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. You blind guides would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, right? And so they're, they're focusing on these little things and swallowing and forgetting the bigger matters. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. So outside they're appearing, you know, wonderful and great and all these things, but inside, inside they're ugly. You blind Pharisee, clean first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Kind of interesting. 
Verse 22 of Not Stream chapter 14, I assure you this, everything that is hidden will one day be revealed, and every secret thing will be made known. The words spoken in darkness will be heard in the light of day, and what has been whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops. Psalm 94, 7 through 12, Yet they say, Yahuwah shall not see, neither shall the Elohim of Jacob regard it. Understand, you brutish among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He hears your conversations. He hears what you whisper. He hears what you say when you slander and gossip people. He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastises the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teaches man knowledge, shall he not know? Yahuwah knows the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Yahuwah, and teach him out of your law. Hallelujah. Matthew twelve thirty six through 37 But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words shall you be condemned. Watch what comes out of your mouths, brothers and sisters. Your mouths. Watch what comes out of your mouth, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes 12, 13-14 Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear Elohim and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For Elohim shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, Luke 6.45 A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of who you are, what's in your heart. So if you're constantly striving in or area of envy or, or yeah, you're, you're, you're mocking or um, tearing down, or um, it's a reflection of what's inside of you. It's not hidden. It's not hidden from Yah, of course, but it's also not hidden from people because we can see who you are by what comes out of your mouth. Now, for people that are struggling, well, gosh, I need to, I need, to, I need help with fixing what comes out of my mouth. This is what the, this is what the heart of what Messiah is talking about. Get inside first. Proverbs sixteen one through three: The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from Yahuwah. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes because everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. Nobody, nobody in this walk, I don't think, purposefully, like, oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this stuff and I'm, I'm wrong. Nobody thinks that. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but Yahuwah weighs the spirits. Commit your works unto Yahuwah. So clean your hands by doing the right thing and your thoughts shall be established. When you start doing the right thing, when you start thirsting after doing what is righteous in Yahuwah's sight, this is what starts cleaning the inside. Now, of course, now none of this can be done by, without the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Most High, and, and without the help of our great King and High Priest to petition on our behalf to help us. But it's got to come from within, from us first. Not reading 14, 23, turning to his disciples, sitting about him, Yahushua said, Do not be afraid of these people, for the worst they can do is, dr is to drive the life from the body. If you must be afraid of anything, let it be your own frailties. Let it be your own frailties. For if you give in to these, you suffer for it long after the body has fallen apart. And this is why Messiah says, you know, judge not lest you be judged. And then he goes on to say, you know, why do you behold um, the speck, you know, the, the little issue in your brother when you have this massive problem 
of your own. If you must be afraid of anything, let it be your own frailties. That's why we should focus on ourselves and our cleaning our insides rather than trying to fix everyone else around us. Let's talk about fear, though. Fear. We're gonna do a. I'm gonna do a pretty in-depth study on fear uh, soon. Uh, but Matthew 10:28, and of course we know this one. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. That's who we should fear at all times. Isaiah 11, I'm sorry, Isaiah 8, 11 through 13. For Yahweh spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people call conspiracy. And I want to pause here real quickly. I'm not saying that researching conspiracy is not important. I'd be a hypocrite because that's what got me here. But now that we're here, like how much time do we really need to focus on conspiracies, right? How much time? And uh, conspiracies are becoming kind of mainstream at this point. They're, they're putting... They're putting what's getting ready to happen in, in mainstream movies and, and Netflix shows and all kinds of things. They're putting it out there. So he says here, do not walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call a conspiracy. All of this people call a conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, because they're putting these out there to instill fear, because without the hope of Messiah, without the hope of the gospel, without the hope of understanding what, how, what the end times brings, without the hope of... Messiah gathering his people in the midst of this chaos. What kind of hope do people have? Their only hope is in what? Physical prepping? Making sure they have enough rice and beans to survive this time? Yeah, right. Good luck with that. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but Yahweh Sabaot, him shall you regard as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Hallelujah. Seriously, as the world is continuing to plunge into chaos, let's let him be our fear. Let's make sure that our walks are aligned with what he says we should be doing. That should be our fear. Are we, are we walking in his way? Are we walking in spirit and truth? As we've mentioned earlier, I don't need to retread what that looks like. That's the kind of things that we should be focusing on, brothers and sisters. Second Esdras 16, 74-78. This is a promise of divine deliverance in the end times. But there's a, there's a catch to it, of course. Hear my elect, says Yahuwah. Behold, the days of tribulation are at hand, and I will deliver you from them. Yes! Do not fear or doubt, for Elohim is your guide. Now, who is he talking to? You who keep my commandments and precepts, says Yahuwah Elohim. Do not, here's an exhortation. To not let sins prevail. Do not let your sins pull you down or your iniquities prevail over you. It's time to get hold of your life. And don't let these things prevail over you. If you know that you just deal with anger and you're just angry and you're like, I can't stop hating people. And it's time to cut that off. Or addictions, or if you know that you have problems with envy and jealousy and you know because of you know social media, get cut it off. Do not let your sins pull you down or your iniquities prevail over you. Woe, woe to those who are choked by their sins and overwhelmed by their iniquities as a field is choked with underbrush and its path overwhelmed with thorns so that no one can pass through. It is shut off and given up to be consumed by fire. These are fruitless trees. Sirach 1, 11 through 30. The fear of Yahuwah is true wisdom. 
The fear of Yahuwah is glory and exultation and gladness and a crown of rejoicing. The fear of Yahuwah delights the heart and gives gladness and joy and long life. With him who fears Yahuwah, it will go well at the end. On the day of his death, he will be blessed. That's why Messiah says, "Why don't fear them that can, t- that, that can kill the body. Fear Yah. Because if we fear Yah, it will go well at the end, and on the day of our death, we'll be blessed. To fear Yahuwah is the beginning of wisdom. She is created with the faithful in the womb. She made among men an eternal foundation, and among their descendants she will be trusted. To fear Yahuwah is wisdom's full measure. She satisfies men with her fruits. She fills their whole house with desirable goods, and their storehouses with her produce. The fear of Yahuwah is the crown of wisdom, making peace and perfect health to flourish. He saw her and apportioned her. He rained down knowledge and discerning comprehension, and he exalted the glory of those who held her fast. To fear Yahuwah is the root of wisdom, and her branches are long life. Unrighteous anger cannot be justified, for a man's anger tips the scale to his ruin. We know people like this. A patient man will endure until the right moment, and then joy will burst forth for him. He will hide his words until the right moment, and the lips of many will tell of his good sense. In the treasures, treasuries of wisdom are wise sayings, but godliness is an abomination to the sinner. If you desire wisdom, keep the commandments, and Yahuwah will supply it for you. For the fear of Yahuwah is wisdom and instruction, and he delights in fidelity and meekness. Do not disobey the fear of Yahuwah. Do not approach him with a divided mind, and be not a hypocrite in men's sights, and keep watch over your lips. Do not exalt yourself lest you fall and thus bring dishonor upon yourself. Yahweh will reveal your secrets and cast you down in the midst of the congregation because you did not come in the fear of Yahuwah and your heart was full of deceit. Wow, what a passage. <sighs> Talking about fear. Talking about fear in the end times here. Luke 21, 25 through 36. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. We're seeing this. We've been talking about this. And upon the earth, distress of nations. Aren't you starting to see this? Whoa. With perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Now, this could be talking about, you know, hurricanes and stuff. But we know that the book of Revelation defines the seas as the, the peoples and nations, multitudes. The peoples, the nations, and multitudes roaring men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth this is this is not ending they're going to continue to talk about this comet's gonna it's all oh, it's just missing earth and this is coming and that's coming and this is coming and 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 climate change is coming and climate change is here and all these things men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth let that not be named amongst us let Yahweh be our fear and our dread. For the powers, which is this is like the, the, the host, the armies of heaven, shall be shaken, thrown down. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. You know, considering what Hollywood puts out there and whatnot, what do you think it's going to look like? When the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And we know that through Isaiah 34 and Revelation 6, this is when heaven is rolled up like a scroll and the, the stars fall down. Like this is, this is like, what do you think that's going to look like? Con- 
considering all the end times movies and Armageddon movies and apocalypse movies and alien movies, they're going to be trying to control the narrative. And people that don't know the word are going to be swept up in it. Hearts failing them for fear of things that are coming upon this earth. Don't get wrapped up in it. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree. There it is again. And all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So when these trees begin to put forth leaves and put forth fruit, you know the end times is here. And that's what's so amazing about this movement, whatever you want to call it, of faith and obedience to the Torah. And I say faith, and, faith in, in the Messiah and obedience to the Torah. That's how we know it's the end. Um, there's another passage, actually, I'd like to share regarding that. Deuteronomy 30, how we know we're in the end times, and it shall come to pass. Deuteronomy 30, it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all the nations where Yahweh your Elohim has driven you, and shall return unto Yahweh your Elohim, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day, you and your children, with all your heart, with all your soul, that then... Yahweh will turn your captivity and have compassion on you and will return and gather you from all the nations where Yahweh Elohim has scattered you. If any of yours be driven out to the outmost parts of heaven, from there will Yahweh Elohim gather you and from thence will he fetch you. And Yahweh Elohim will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it and he will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. This is end times understanding that when people start to come back to faith and obedience, that's a signal of the end times. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know you that the kingdom of Elohim is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation, I believe this is our generation he's talking about, shall not pass till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest in any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, overeating, and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that they, they come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore. Let's be vigilant. Let's be, let's be diligent in our walk and our faith. Let it be the forefront of our lives. You know, work and family and, and, and um, education and all, you know, all these things and houses. and All important. But let your walk with him be at the forefront of your mind. Let it take the most space in your mind and in your heart, not a back seat. Watch, therefore, stand fast, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that are come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I don't know about you, but I want to be there. I want to be there, and I want to be there with you. So let's take this seriously. Nazarim uh, 14.24 um, Are not five sparrows sold for a single coin? Yet each one is known to Yahuwah. For nothing living does not participate in life. And this is maintained by the Ruach HaKodesh. For just as fish live in the waters of the sea, so are men maintained in the living Ruach. Speaking to those who had spoken previously. I, I just, actually just want to mention this. Yahuwah knows every single one of us. He is omnipresent, omnipotent, 
omni everything he sees everything he knows every one of us and even if in your life you're like ah, does he really see me because would he let me suffer this much would he let me be in this much pain would he let me uh, struggle this much financial whatever it is he sees you it's not like he's got his his um throne turned around like you're petitioning him and he's turning around like mm, i don't see you he's not doing that you may be in this situation you're in to test you, to prove you, to refine you, to increase your faith. Because he will deliver you. Even though it may take time, he will deliver you. If you trust in him, if you lean on him, if you're like, oh, I'm in the midst of this father and I just trust in you no matter what. It looks dark right now. It looks bleak right now in the outcome. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe that you're going to bring me out of this, oh, Yahuwah. And if that's not your daily prayers, come on. He will deliver. He sees you. Verse 25. Speaking to those who had previous, spoken previously, sorry, Yahushua said, Woe to you self-deceivers who are false interpreters of the Torah. You are like unmarked graves which men walk over in innocence, unaware they are being defiled. Yet nothing from outside can ever enter into a man and sully his soul. Yet it is what festers within him which comes out to reveal his uncleanness. So once again, what's inside of you can't be hidden. It comes out in your behavior. It comes out in your words. You know, this tabernacle that we're living in right now, this flesh is temporary. It's about refining the insides. Should we accomplish this, refining the insides? You know, a glorious tabernacle awaits us. Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's literally the center of your being, your soul, who you are. This is not talking about just what's pumping your blood, right? This is talking about the inner being, your soul, the heart, the center of who you are. Matthew 12, 34 through 35. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks a good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Psalm 19, 7-11. The law, the Torah of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul, the inner being. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahuwah is pure, giving light to the eyes. The fear of Yahuwah is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahuwah are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Hallelujah. Once again, you want things to change about your mouth and what you speak. If you know, you're like, gosh, gosh I, God, I don't even have to say gosh. If you're like, man, I, I just, I can't stop speaking this way. And I know that I should be more patient. And I know I'm not very kind. And I know I could be more meek and, and tenderhearted. And I know I can, uh, you, know, you know, be more loving to my neighbor. But I just can't seem to grasp it. Once again, Proverbs 16, 1 through 3. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from Yahuwah. He gives it to you. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing, of course. But Yahuwah weighs the spirits. Commit your works unto Yahuwah, and your thoughts shall be established. He will change you from the inside. Commit what you do, your behaviors, 
to be in line with what he has ordained for us. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will. Oh, my Elohim, your law is within my heart. This is something we shall all be able to say. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband to them, says Yahuwah. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Yahuwah. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No, Yahuwah, for they shall all know me. For from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says Yahuwah, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Now, this is obviously a very controversial topic, and I don't want to bring this up to, uh, to bring any controversy because I know there's uh, two extreme sides of this. One side is like, uh, no, we are not in the new covenant. We are still in the old covenant, um, you know, because of some obvious scriptures. Like, they shall no more teach every man his neighbor. Like, I get it. Like, I totally get that. We still have to teach our neighbor to know Yahuwah, you know. And, and some people are like, we are in the new covenant. Otherwise, you know, we'd, we'd have to be sacrificing animals. And, um, you know, we see that Messiah said it at the Last Supper. This is the, the blood I, uh, for the new covenant. I, I was shed for many for the remission of sins. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of understand both ways. I see that there's elements of the old covenant still that we're in and elements of the new covenant. I don't think that we're fully brought into the new covenant uh, until he gathers us. Uh, Ezekiel 20 verses 33 through 38 clearly says that when he comes and regathers us, he brings us into the bond of the covenant. Um, Paul says that the Holy Spirit is a seal um, until the day of redemption. Um, I believe that we're like engaged. We know that when we're brought into the covenant, it's like a marriage. Uh, I believe that we're like engaged. And so obviously we see some elements of the new covenant with Messiah and his offering and his blood and uh, bringing us into his priesthood and uh, allowing us to be um, uh, kings and priests to, to, or I'm sorry, pri uh, priests to bring spiritual offerings um, before him. But obviously there's elements that are not, the reason I'm bringing all this up though, it says that, you know, part of the promise of the new covenant is he'll put his law in our inward parts and write in our hearts. Now, some would say that writing in our hearts means that we that we memorize every part of it and we uh, walk in it perfectly and we don't stumble. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know about you, but I feel, I believe that I'm a completely changed uh, man. That who I was before and who I am now, and I believe that I, I the way I live life is I... I feel like his law is in my heart that I want to do it. Not that I'm compelled to do it or I have to do it, but I want to do it. And that, to me, is, is a, an element of something that comes from within. So, uh, forgive me. I know this is a, a contentious ch subject for some, and um, I just wanted to share that part of the promise of that new covenant was that his law would be in our inward parts. Psalm 37, and, and that's part of, of the renewing from within. Psalm 37, 23, 31. The steps of a good man are ordered by Yahuwah, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for Yahuwah upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and he lends, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For Yahweh loves judgment and forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. 
The righteous shall inherit the land and shall dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of judgment. The law of his Elohim and is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six through 27 A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. This is another promise, and he has given us that spirit, has he not? Has he not also changed our heart? I don't know about you, but I, I had a very stony heart, and I believe I have a much more softened heart comparing who I knew who I was before and, and who I am now and the things that I used to thirst after and I used to strive after and what I thirst after now and what I strive after now. And I'm very thankful. Very, very thankful. Back to Knott's Dream 14, verse 26. The things which defile a man, such as fornication, malice, envy, obscenity, and adultery, come from a weeping ulcer within the mind. The uncleanness within a man is like a stone dropped in water, the ripples going out from him to contaminate others. And we read about this, of course, also in Galatians 5, where um, the, um, the, it, 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 it contrasts the works of the flesh and then, of course, moves into the, 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 or the fruits of the flesh versus the, the fruits of the, the Spirit. And also in another passage, Paul says those who operate in the fruits of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom uh, of Elohim, will not be able to enter. Um, but, you know, this passage here, of course, is, is, a, is a very similar passage to what we read in um, Mark 7 where uh, Messiah says, here, here, let's read the King James Version, because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly. He's talking about, you know, eating without washed hands. Sure, your hands aren't washed and you eat, take the bread and you eat it. He's like, that's not going to defile you because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly and goes out into the draft, purging all meats. Now, here's look at a, a newer version after the Westcott Hort. Uh, I, I actually like sometimes reading from the ESV and the NASB and other versions because uh, they make the, the modern day uh, language a lot more palatable. And it's sometimes a little, un- a little easier to understand. But uh, this is just a reminder of a warning that we have to be careful with these newer translations. And so we read what we just read, but here's the newer version. Since it enters not into his heart, but in his stomach and is expelled. And in here in parentheses, thus he declared all foods clean. And people teach this um, as this is truth. But this is added. This was completely added to the text um, and was not in the original texts. And so this is a big part about uh, a reason of why a lot of Christians think that Messiah declared all foods clean is because of this right here, which it was completely added by um, the Westcott Hort revision, which is a, a complete... Um, uh, anyways, this is a this is a, a complete blunder here, and has led millions astray through eating unclean foods that our father never said was food. Anyways, moving on, we're almost done. I think we're gonna go to about verse thirty here. I'm not saying fourteen twenty seven. To all outward appearances, many of you could live good lives, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and deceit. You erect memorials over the graves of those who spoke with the voice of Yahuwah and decorate the monuments to the martyrs who died unjustly. You say, had we lived in those times, we would never have done the things our forefathers did. But do you take care to ensure your children never have cause to say the same about you? Therefore, do not set your standards by those days, but according to the better ones in the days of your children. One of the people who were there said, We have heard that you teach concerning the coming rule of Elohim or the kingdom of Elohim and claim knowledge of the kingdom of heaven. Tell us about these things. 
Yahusha said the rule of Elohim is not something which will come suddenly, nor will it bring about a violent change. It is not a change of surroundings, but a change of heart. The now, this, is, this goes in line, of course, with what we read about in the, uh, in the canon. And many, this is, what, uh, this is uh, why many teach that the kingdom's here, that it's our, but he goes on here. So let's keep reading. The change conditions will be brought about by changes in the heart. So as we're learning in this, in this study this week, it's all about the heart. All about the heart. And uh, we're going to be here a, um, a great song by um, our, our good friends, uh, Lyndon and Ruth from Left and Right Ministries, uh, about making a new heart within us. Anyways, uh, the change conditions will be brought about the changes in the heart. No man can say, it is here or it is there. It is here, but waiting recognition. Just as others have heralded my coming, so do I herald the coming rule of Elohim, or the kingdom of Yah. But its establishment does not depend on anything done by Elohim, but by the actions of men. Now, this is a really interesting statement, uh, and a really bold statement that may not make sense on the surface. Um, there's another passage I want to read uh, from the Order of the Ancients, um, chapter 8. And uh, it's really, really interesting. I want to read it for you. It says, Yahweh is Elohim of knowledge. By his word was everything which was made and uh, which was made, and he governs all things according to his infinite foreknowledge. Even before he created the heavens and the earth, he counseled with the hosts of heaven and planned a plan wherein the spirit of every man shall have his appointed role. For the spirit of every man appeared before Yahweh Sabaot in the beginning and received a place appointed in the family of heaven and earth. Now listen to this. This is what it says. Basically, the coming kingdom depends on the actions of men. Now listen to this. When a man fills his appointed role, it is according to the glorious design of Yahweh Sabaoth, and thus, as each one functions, so like each one functions in the body, according to the divine plan, the work of Elohim is pushed towards its consummation, its finish, its end. So this cons uh, coincides with what my Messiah says here. It's, it's this, this coming rule, he's waiting I think well, for the fullness of the nation, so the fullness of people coming into the faith, and for uh, the hearts of men to be, you know, um, renewed. And we see that a little bit of that here in Deuteronomy 30, where when people, you know, turn, uh, when we when we return to Yahuwah, obey His voice according to all that He commands us, us and our children with all our heart, that then He's going to come and regather us, and that's the time for the kingdom. So I ask you, I, I, I believe I'm doing what my call my role is, and this is not like, ha, I've got it all figured out. No, I believe I'm walking what I'm supposed to be doing to push uh, the end times towards its consummation. What are, what are you called to do? I don't know. I can't look through this camera and be like, I know what you're supposed to be doing. What are you supposed to be doing? Ask Yah, because I don't know about you. Let's get on with this. You know, of course, part of us is like, no, you know, I want to see my children grow up. And I hear you. I hear you. I've got five beautiful children. I want to see them grow up. I want to. I want to give my daughters in marriage to a righteous man. I want, I want to see my my sons grow up and and be righteous men. And and I'd love to see you know. One of my sons, you know, walk in ministries I'm doing. You know, I, there's all, I have all sorts of dreams and, and, and goals and aspirations, but 
nothing would be sweeter than the coming of the kingdom. So I say, let's get on with it. Let's do this. What are you supposed to be doing? Are you doing? Maybe you're already doing it. Maybe I'm, I'm getting all excited right now. And you're like, Adam, we're, we're doing. Our family's doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Good. Well, more of that. Let's do this. All right. The last verse we're going to talk about or read is verse 30. Not starting in 1430. The kingdom of heaven is where Yahweh rules in Ruach and spirit. But there is that which each man. Ah. But there is that within each man which can extend the kingdom of heaven. When this is drawn out of men while they are on earth and established here, then the kingdom of heaven will embrace the earth. So there is an actual physical coming of the kingdom. When the rule of Elohim is established on earth, then will the kingdom of heaven come down so heaven and earth are united in one. Praise Yah. Luke 21, 25 through 20 again. There shall be signs in the sun and the moon, the stars, and upon the earth stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. The Son of Man comes with power. Where, where have we seen this? Uh, and right, the the uh, Messiah's prayer. Let's just let's read it. Let's read it together. Our Father, which is in heaven, set apart be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. They shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads because the kingdom's coming down. For your redemption draws nigh. Revelation 12, 7 through 10. And there was war in heaven. What we were talking about earlier in Isaiah 34, Revelation 6. The, the, the sky rolling up like a scroll. And the powers, the armies of heaven being thrown down. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven because they were thrown down. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven, which is New Jerusalem, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our Elohim and the power of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our Elohim day and night. Literally, heaven comes down to earth. And there will be two kingdoms here. Big. Heaven rolls back like a scroll. New Jerusalem comes down. Satan and his armies thrown down. Satan's here on earth. Starts gathering the people. New Jerusalem's hovering. Waiting for, of course, Babylon to be destroyed so that she can be set down or a clean place. Until then, Satan gathers the earth and says, Whoa, look at that thing. Look at that city that's in the sky. Hey, let's go destroy it. How else do you think that he gathers the whole world to come and fight Messiah? Anyways, I, I just dropped a lot in your lap right there, but... Once again, the order of the ancients um, also um, coincides with this about heaven and earth uniting. We're going to look at chapter uh, 100, 
verses 1 through 3. Now Melchizedek was a priest after this order, which is the holy order of Elohim. Therefore he obtained peace and shalom and was called the Prince of Peace. And his people wrought righteousness and obtained heaven, for they sought the city of Enoch, which Elohim had before taken. This is talking about New Jerusalem, separating it from the earth, having reserved it unto the latter days or the end of the world. For Elohim had sworn with an oath that the heavens and the earth shall come together again, and the sons of Elohim tried by fire. So once again, the heaven and the earth should come together. And that's exactly what we just read. So when we start getting our act together here on earth, and we start acting like a body, and start to stop destroying each other, and start working together as a kingdom of Elohim, then will the kingdom of heaven come down so as heaven and earth are united in one. Let's get busy. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father Yahweh, Most High, we just come before you and bless you in Yahushua's name. Father, we ask for power from on high to help your body unite and to stop thrashing each other and to stop tearing each other apart, Father, and to have factions just like it was in the past with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and all these different, all these different groups, Father, that all they did was just fight each other. Father, when can this end? When can we be united, O Yahuwah? Because if these words are true that we just read, it says that your kingdom's not coming down until we start getting this right. So, Father, help us. Give us power from on high. Give us your doctrine from on high. Sprinkle it on your people, O Yahuwah. Shower down like rain upon us, Father. And we just ask this in the name of Yahushua, Father. And we just believe that anything asked in his name can be done. We ask for help, Father. Help for those of us that are going through trials, those of us that are being refined by fire, whether it be health and pain, whether it be financial, whether it be... Um, lusts of the flesh, whether it be addictions, Father, whatever it may be, help us, O Yahuwah. We're not asking you to take us out of the fire, but to help us get through this, Father. Help us with patience. Help us with the fruits of the Spirit. Help us to walk in your truth, O Yahuwah. And we ask this in the name of Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Hallelujah. And thank you for your Shabbat, O Yahuwah. Praise you. So, um, those of you that... Uh, not just stumbling upon this video and follow this ministry for some time. Uh, I apologize. Uh, two weeks ago, I made an announcement that I wasn't able to do a video. And then last week, I just kind of just ghosted you all. Um, I figured I'd just share it with you here. Um, I've been dealing with uh, something uh, for many, many years. Um, I deal with, I don't like giving it power by saying I have this and I have that. and Because I know, I'll just preface this, I know that the Most High can heal me. Um, of this whenever it is, whenever it's right, because he knows what's best. Um, I will say, uh, what I suffer from has been, it's part of my walk, it's part of my testimony. Um, uh, it's, it's, some, it's called CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. Um, I had a surgery in the military in 2004, and they botched it pretty bad. Um, they damaged nerves in my foot, and um, I get a small disability from, from the VA because of it, but What's happened is that uh, nerve damage has actually uh, grown into a much bigger problem, uh, which has grown into this CRPS. Uh, without getting too much into it, it uh, my the nerves in my mainly in my legs, uh, my knees down, the the nerves act like an, it's not an autoimmune disease, but it acts like an autoimmune, wherein uh, my nerves basically just turn on my body and just send like just massive pain. I'm talking like nine, ten level pain constantly. Uh, throbbing constant whatever it's um it's so it gets it, it, they, they, i get flare-ups and it, it 
the varies it gets in in my, of course my feet ankles legs uh, my knees um, whatever heels anywhere with those nerves in my lower extremities it, go, it goes and uh, the flare-ups can be very minor uh, a couple days at a time uh, to a couple weeks to sometimes months I've had times where I've been unable to get out of bed for you know a month or two at a time and so uh, I just went through a pretty medium uh, flare-up. I was unable to get out of bed for a couple weeks, and uh, uh, it's just it was just so bad. It also comes with with massive uh, massive pain, massive inflammation, ma- massive fevers. That it's like you know, it's almost delirious at times. And and obviously I'm unable to to do studies during this time and whatnot. And uh, it it seems as though it's been getting progressively worse over my life. It started in 2004. Um, the massive pain started in 2012. So it took oh, quite a bit of time. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, uh, in, a, in a weird way, I'm thankful for this condition because um, the pain is actually what got me to get on my knees and start calling out to him. Uh, I fully understand when it says it was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Um, and so anyways, um, and it's like almost every time I'm down, um, I get more time with Yah. I get more time in prayer. It's almost like a like a uh, just I, I don't know. I just get more time with him, and um, something a lot of, most often something good comes out of my downtime. Uh, like for example, like four years ago, I had a really bad flare up, and uh, I was like, you know what? I have this guitar. Let me actually pick this up. You know, I wasn't able to walk, but I was able to sit there and play, 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 and um, just started playing music. Not that my music is is good or anything, but um, I, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, praising out with songs, and there's a lot of different little testimonies of, of how this condition has actually been a blessing in my life, even though it's um, debilitating. And so, anyways, I just wanted to, you guys are my family, and I just wanted to share with you um, kind of what I what I go through when I struggle with, and so... Um, you know, if you feel led to pray uh, for me, praise yeah. If not, I, I totally understand. Um, but uh, that's just a little bit about me. Some of you that have come to the feast days and whatnot, you've seen me before uh, almost every time. They, these happen uh, a lot during the feast days. But actually, this last one, uh, this Sukkot 2023, was probably the first time I didn't have one at all. I was actually able to dance and whatnot. But usually, I'm usually the feast days, I'm limping around and whatnot. And and so people that have seen me in person uh, have seen this and whatnot. So anyways, uh, enough about that. Uh, enough about me. Um, so yeah, that's what. I, that's the reason I was uh, kind of just um, silent the last few weeks. I just wasn't able to get out of bed. I wasn't able to do anything. So, uh, and, and, and like I said, the, the pain's so bad and it, 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 you know, fever, it's like I, I can't even concentrate. I can't even like do a study. Um, so that's just what I deal with and I'm not looking for boohoos. Uh, again, it's part of my, my, who I am. It's part of my testimony. So, uh, I don't hate it. Um, I'm sometimes I do, but I don't looking back, if I can be honest, looking back at my life, um, you know, Yah knows me best. Maybe that was the, the best way for him to get a hold of me. And maybe it still is, you know, I, I, I learn things every time I am down. You know, uh, people that hate me like to look at this and like to say, ah, Adam is cursed and Adam is, and it says, yeah, punishing Adam with a rod. And you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But anyways, um, nevertheless, I appreciate Yah and I appreciate the furnace of affliction that he's allowed me to have because uh, we know that uh, he does discipline those he loves. So if it is discipline, um, I'm thankful that Yah thinks of me uh, to discipline me. So praise be to Yah. Um, other announcements, um, oh, um, 
we'll be doing Passover again in Lebanon. It'll be towards the end. I don't have the dates on me, but it'll be towards the end of April. Um, Hebrew Fest 2024. Uh, we'll be in Lebanon, same place we do our feast days this year. It'll be, is it the 20th through the 23rd? June 20th through the 23rd. So uh, those of you that came to Hebrew Fest last year, uh, one of the best times of my life. It, it was literally, it was a time with music and just uh, praising Yah in unity in the spirit and truth, putting our, our side doctrines aside, and it, it it happened, brothers and sisters. It was amazing. So we're going to do it again this year, uh, June 20th through the 23rd. Uh, I think the camping will be the 19th through the 24th. They'll be camping on site and whatnot. So anyways, with that being said, I want to play a song by uh, Left and Right Ministries, Lyndon and Ruth, who live here locally and uh, are really good friends of Victoria and I. And, um, you know, through all the trials over the last, the, the really hard trials of the last couple of months, we've really grown a lot closer to them. And we're, we're so thankful for them. I, um, I had, uh, I don't want to call it a vision, but I had what seemed, would seem like a vision. And I really saw that, I saw that Yah was literally giving melodies and lyrics from heaven to these people, uh, Lyndon and Ruth, Left and Right Ministries, and, and I believe they are completely anointed by him, and I believe their music is a gift from Yah, and um, man, I hope I picked the right song. I think this song really uh, gets at the heart. No, no pun intended of what we were trying to talk about today so I hope you enjoy their music you can find them at Left and Right Music on YouTube and all the other streaming services and um, uh, after that song I'm going to come back on and I'm going to give you a sneak peek of, of a song that I'm working on as well so this is called uh, Make in Me um, Praise Yah Shabbat Shalom <laughs> Show, 
transgresses your ways And sinners will turn back to you That I may show transgresses your ways And sinners will turn back to you Spirit in